Hello, and welcome to the In the Booth podcast. My name is Alan Itzler. I'm joined today by News Post education reporter Emma Kerr. Emma, how are you doing today? Doing great. Early in the morning. A little early. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we have a very special guest in the studio today in Board of Education candidate Jay Mason. Jay, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so we'll just jump right into to uh, you know your your campaign. How has the campaign been going? We're roughly at the time of this recording, about twenty five days out now. Um, how's the campaign been going, and what are some of the big issues you've been campaigning on this election season? Oh, I started. Uh, campaign's been going well. I'm very pleased with how how things are shaping up. Uh, going around door knocking and getting a good response from everybody I talk to, whether Republican or Democrat or Independent. It's a very pleasing to talk to people and get different points of view and actually have people listen to what I think about things and it's, it's very rewarding um, so far uh, we've been getting out talking about uh, my three issues which are expand empower and engage um, expanding issues for our, for our students which means all those kids that are uh, taking some merit level classes that possibly could be taking some honors level classes and just, you know, that's, that's my driving force is trying to make sure that the kids are given opportunities that they deserve. And we're um, motivating our kids to, to, to move to those upper level classes and not just sit at the bottom and, you know, get those grades, those easy grades that they can, they can get. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that the kids are, are put forward in our um, campaigning and letting everybody know that it's, it's all about the students. You know, I'm really curious to hear more about your thoughts on the Lynx program. So the Lynx program right now is at Frederick High School, offers a lot of flexibility, things like that. Do you feel like that kind of fits in with, um, you know, your goals in this campaign? And is it something you'd seek to expand? Um, well, the Lynx program is not for everybody. You know, some, some kids are able to uh, work on their own a little bit better than others. So, you know, um, we have to see the results of the, of the Lynx program at Frederick High before we start talking about expansion, um, you know, you, you, you need to see results before you make a next decision, whether you want to get rid of it or expand it. So I'd, I'd have to really see, um, I talked to one parent who wasn't happy with it. So I'd have to, uh, we need to need to do more research on it just to make sure that it's, it's going to be a good fit around the County. Um, it's a pilot program. So, you know, everybody's kind of looking at us like what's going to happen. Um, so we just have to make sure that we're doing right by our students and, you know, some kids are, are able to, to, to go out and not um, have those classes eight to five or eight to three. Um, so, you know, giving them the opportunity to best fit how they learn best is, is awesome. So I think, you know, if it, if it works out, you know, there's plenty of kids out there. I'm sure that the Lynx program um, would benefit. You you mentioned the the one parent and I you know without going into too much detail what were some of the that parents concerns and, and have you kind of raised it, those along the campaign trail? Yeah, well, I haven't really raised them. Um, just the other night in the forum, but um, had to go out and get a tutor for algebra. So they okay. needed they needed, I guess the student needed some some more more one on one time or just you know possibly need that classroom interaction. Um, I, I guess he wasn't happy about having to get a tutor. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, if it's not the right fit for the child, we shouldn't force them to do it. And you're a parent yourself, right? With oh, three, students in the three kids, three six, kids. seven and 15 here in FCPS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does the links program sound like something you as a parent would be kind of more nervous about, or kind of you understand parent concerns or more open-minded? Well, I'm a parent first <laughs> and foremost, and that's kind of why, um, 
uh, I'm an advocate, a parent advocate. That's kind of why I'm running for the board. I want to make sure that parents have a voice. And if it's, if it's a good fit for their kid, we want to do it. If it's not, then, you know, we, we have to take a serious look at it. So, you know, I think my, uh, my 10th grader, I think she could handle some of the links programs She's taking health and gym online right now. Um, so, you know, she's got an A in it and I think she can handle it. Um, I think we've given her the right resources to be able to work independently. Um, but you know, there's also that classroom interaction that she likes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. And there's just, you know, 43,000 students. How are we going to, you know, make everything work for everybody? So we just have to find out what's best for our students. Were there, before you started, uh, chose to run, I guess, were there issues that, that you saw your kids having in schools that you wanted to kind of, you mentioned the merit classes. Was that something that you personally, your kids experienced or was there something else that kind of drove you to want to, to want to change some things? That happened to me. Okay. So back in uh, sixth grade, Monoxy Middle in the mid eighties, I was put in the enriched classes, which I guess would be kind of the merit or maybe the honors. I don't I know it's kind of weird now. So I guess <laughs> kind of the merit classes. So, you know, I was in the middle of the, the middle classes and my brother and parents said, no, that's not acceptable. We're going to put him in advance and the school told him no. And they had to advocate for me. And eventually the school said yes. And then in sixth grade, my daughter in sixth grade, a letter came home at the end of sixth grade asking for accelerated math class. And obviously me and my wife said yes. School told us no. Ended up telling us no three times. Uh, before we had a meeting and they looked at my daughter's park math scores and they said, okay, well, she should have been in accelerated math because she got a 94 in her first semester in seventh grade in honors math. So that's when me and my wife were like, all right, how do we get her there? Mm -hmm. You know, so um, not necessarily merit classes, but just having the opportunity to, to take those honors classes. And, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I was at Lucas Village doing math club uh, and I asked the three ladies a simple question of do you like peas and I think they were in ninth grade and they were like yeah we like peas I was like well did you always like peas and they're like mm, no well what happened like well we tried them and we figured out they wasn't that bad so you know try the honors level classes most more times than not you're going to find out it's not that hard you can do it so I you know I think if we give the kids the opportunity um you know most of them will step up and accept the challenge um yeah, you know, we have to challenge our kids. We have to challenge our teachers. We have to challenge our administrators. We have to challenge the school system to make sure that we're giving our kids every opportunity to be successful after high school. And the way to do that is challenge them, you know, starting at a young age. Um, not just let them sit and merit because it's comfortable. It's easy. That's where their friends are. That's where they can get the A's and B's. It's okay to get a C. If you get a D, you know, we need to give them some more resources to figure out how to get them to that C, B, A range. Um, it's not just put them in the honors classes and let them go. It's kind of like uh, Freeman Rabowski does at UMBC. Puts his kids in, in college, he invites them there, but he also gives them the resources to make sure that they're successful. So it's not just putting them in the honors level classes and, you know, hope they make it. It's making sure that we're, we're, we're staying on top of them and helping them any way they can to make sure they do make it. So you've already mentioned parent advocacy a lot and uh, listening to parents, things like that. What about when you're facing a topic like redistricting? That's coming up, coming down the pike. And what kind of strategy will you take when you're making those decisions of should we do a countywide redistricting? Should we, you know, that's going to affect where kids are going and what kind of opportunities they have? Will you be kind of listening to parents first and foremost? How will you attack that? 
Well, that's why I'm running for the board because, uh, you know, to be a parent advocate. So obviously, yes, I'm going to listen to the parents. Um, you know, they know their kids best. So we have to listen to them to make sure that we're doing right by what, how they feel. Um, you know, it's hard. It's a big county. But, you know, I think looking at certain areas where we're building a lot, um, we have to, to make sure that we're, we're redistricting properly. And it's difficult. You know, I live here in Kingsbrook, which is close to Linton. And some of those kids were sent to Carroll Manor. And they can see their elementary school. You know, that's, that's got to be kind of disheartening when you spend money on a, on a house, five dollars $600,000, and you buy it because you're right there next to the school and you can't send your kid there. You know, that's, that's, that's a difficult uh, situation to be put in. So obviously, yes, we want to listen to the parents and make sure what's, you know, what's best for the kids. It's what really, what matters. Do you, when deciding that, because you know, that's a, it's a tough decision, either keep the school overcrowded or break up a neighborhood sometimes is what it comes down to. How do you weigh the two? Which, which one, I guess, would you prefer to see when you're having to be faced with that decision? Gosh, that's a tough, tough question. That's, um, uh, man, um, <laughs> that, that's hard to say. I, uh, gosh, I really can't say right now. Um, you know, to have to be put in that situation. Um, yeah, I guess when you're like with Linton, you know, in close proximity to the school, um, you got to look at the size of the neighborhood and how many kids are going to be going. You know, I, I would say, let's let them go to Tuscarora. Um, you, we battle overcrowding everywhere. It's difficult. Um, obviously we don't want to add portables, but you know, we, you know, it's, I think it's better for our kids to kind of stay in their neighborhood with their neighborhood kids and walk across the street to a school or have mom, you know, drive a couple minutes rather than putting them on a bus right. to drive 20 minutes, 25 minutes to school. Um, and another question we wanted to ask you was about school safety and whether you feel FCPS and the current board is doing enough to keep schools safe. I do. Um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult situation, um, but we have our school resource officers uh, in our schools. Um, you know, Brad says it a lot. Brad Young says it a lot. He's always in constant communication with our law enforcement. So I think it's just you know, trying to be proactive um, to make sure that if we, we find a kid that feels marginalized and, you know, try to, to notice those, those factors that are obvious to us, um, not always going to be the case, but we got to make sure that we're just doing best by our children to, to hopefully they won't want to come in and attack our schools. But, you know, but I have three kids, so I, I, I hope they're all safe. How do you feel about the ID system and having to show your ID at the door? Is that something that you were concerned about? Uh, we we heard concerns, I think, at the, when the uh, school year first started from some parents who felt like it might exclude parents from the, kind of the more diverse schools from showing up just for kind of the uncomfortableness of having to show an ID. Um, I, I showed my ID. I, I put it in the system, and, you know, when I did that, I asked the, the – um, administrative assistant at, at Ballinger and she said so far she hadn't had any problems um I there there's something they can do if you don't have an ID um, I think the example she used was one parent drove to school and didn't have an ID um so they yeah it it's a difficult situation because some of our our parents don't have ID so you know I, I'm, I'm not going to discriminate against them um I'd like to encourage them to come to the school at every opportunity they can um it's it's something that I'm always going to 
advocate or encourage parents to advocate, you know, and it's, it's difficult for them. I understand that. Um, but I think, I think we have a way that they can get logged into the school without an ID. So would you like to see the SRO program expanded outside of just one per feeder pattern? Or do you feel like one per feeder pattern is enough? I think it's substantial for right now. Um, you know, I think we're 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 in good shape, so you know, I'd be I'm fine with one per feeder pattern. Um, another issue that has come up um, recently at some of the board meetings has been teacher pay, and has been how we can how FCPS can bring in more diverse teachers. Would that be a priority for you? Um, how, how are you approaching that? Definitely, that's a priority for me. Um, I think with our diverse uh, population. In our schools, we need a diverse teaching staff. And um, so I, I hear a lot of people saying all these factors why, they, you know, diverse teachers don't want to come here. And I think it's, I guess I can't say the wrong thing while I'm on air. Um, <laughs> I, I, I grew up here. I was born and raised. Um, I grew up in Lewistown, which is very close to Rocky Ridge. So I've, I've been around it. I haven't seen it. Um, so, you know, I, I think people need to come to Frederick and, you know, if you have aspirations to raise a family, it's a great place to, to, to plant your feet and set your roots and, you know, find that special someone and, and, and have a family and grow up here. Um, I, Frederick County offers a lot. We have a great, um, music scene, great art scene. Um, there's a lot to do in Frederick. So, you know, I, I think when people start talking about the factors why people won't come here. I, I, I think uh, I think that's coming from outside of Frederick County. Maybe people looking at us from from the glass went through the glass window and saying, "Oh, Frederick County's bad." You know, they they had that element in the '80s. Yeah, but that's you know you can go anywhere and find that. So I think it's uh, it's a miscalculation on, on a lot of people's part to to not look at Frederick County for what it is and what it has to offer. Um, Growing up here, it's a lot different than it is now. Um, obviously, as an as an adult, you you do a lot more stuff. But you know, there's there's so much that we have to offer here in Frederick County. Um, economy's great, low job um, uh, job, whatever word I'm looking for. Unemployment. Unemployment. <laughs> low unemployment. Um, you know, Frederick's growing, so I think it has a lot to offer, and I, I think it would do well for a lot of minorities to, to check Frederick out and especially our teachers. Um, I think we need to, to start encouraging our, our younger students to get into teaching um, and build our teachers rather than trying to always go out and find them to come here. Um, once, once we have them here, you know, they know how great Frederick is. They would be in, in, more inclined to go off to college and come back and, and teach here. So I think it's also trying to, to make sure that we're building our teachers and not just going out and looking for them to bring them here. There, there are some folks who, who will say that you should just hire the most qualified teacher, but, but why is it, why is it in, in your estimation, and you might agree with that, that phrase just on its face, but, but why is it important in your estimation to, uh, to hire a more diverse population that kind of looks like the county around us? Well, I think that implies that our minority teachers are not highly qualified. And, you know, the people that I talk to, they know people in their family. They have friends that have um, uh, interviewed in Frederick County, didn't get the job right away, 
went to a neighboring county, got hired immediately. So I think uh, I think when we talk about highly qualified, we need to to take a look at that statement and see what what we're actually meaning by that, because there are some very highly qualified minority teachers out there, and if we we have the ability to offer them a job on the spot, I think it helps, you know, rather than letting them go out. And these are people that are grew up in Frederick, like I just mentioned. They they born and raised here, grew up, went and got a college degree, came back here to teach, and didn't get hired. I think there's a there's a problem in our system. There's um you know, there's a there's a shortage among minority teachers, but there's also just generally a shortage of teachers. You know, the state doesn't graduate enough for the amount that they have. How would you, uh, I guess, encourage or, or adapt to, to that in order to hire the teachers that FCPS needs? Well, a lot of people don't respect teachers in uh, public schools, so I think we have to, to make sure that um, we are doing what we need to, to need, need to do to make sure that people know that teaching is a respectable position to have. Um, it used to be our, our community person that got everybody together we you know kind of surrounded the teacher and everybody um was there for the teacher um it was also easier because the teachers lived in the community we have a lot of teachers that can't afford to live here i mean real estate so you know we try to work on affordable housing so our teachers and and other service industry members can live in frederick county um i think that's a big part of it um we have to just make sure that we're we're grooming our teachers and, and they feel comfortable coming here. Um, teacher pay is a big, big part of it. Um, we've increased our teacher salary, which is nice. Um, we can keep our teachers here now, more of them. But, you know, we have to keep increasing the pay, at least the starting pay, to make sure that, you know, they feel that they have a, uh, a good living, they can make a good living, and, and not have to go down the road for an extra $12,000 a year. You know, I was on 270 a few days ago, and, I mean, it's a nightmare. You know, I don't, I, for that extra $12,000, I don't know if I could make that, that decision, but a lot of teachers have. So I think we have, uh, we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep them here and, you know, housing and, and pay is, is a big part of that. Uh, one of the board members who's currently on the board, not running for reelection, he's still sitting is, uh, Ken Kerr and he proposed a uh, teacher apprenticeship program. Is that something that you would be supportive of kind of the, the kind of grow your own kind of, uh, program that you feel like you would also you would support if you got a seat on the board Mm -hmm. yeah when you go off to college and you become a junior and you look for those internships you know you go off to a company and you work for them and what happens after you graduate college more times not you get hired by that company so why wouldn't we do that for teachers you know let's groom them let's start them show them that you know teaching is is a good job and we we need our teachers we talked about diverse teachers. What about our minority students? Do you feel like there is more that the Frederick County Board could be doing for our black students, Hispanic students, maybe when we're looking at achievement gaps, suspension rates, things like that? Is there more the board could be doing? Sure there is. Um, I think we uh, start by having a minority, a black person elected to the, uh, to the office. Um, you know, it, it starts from, from leadership and it trickles down. So, you know, there's, I, I can't feel 100% confident that we're looking out um, 100% for our, for our minority students because 
there's no one in the leadership role that, that, that looks like me. So, you know, I, I, I know they say all students and that's what we want to work towards is making sure all students are taken care of, you know, but we're creatures of habit, you know, so we, we tend to look out for our own and we want to make sure that all of our students are doing well. And, um, you know, the, I'm not, did you write the recent article on the, the suspension rate? So, you know, there's a problem. There, there's an obvious problem. The achievement gap. I've been working with eliminating achievement gaps since 2012. And um, when we had the uh, MSA tests, the gap was getting closer. But then we moved to park. The gap gets wider. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we still have work to do. So, you know, I, I'd li- I'm going to focus on that. Um, Mike Benitsky just introduced the uh, Minority, um, Affairs. The Minority yeah. Affairs Committee. Uh, there's a meeting in two weeks, I think, or on the 24th um, to start talking about that. And I think that's a good step in the right direction. Um, but we can't talk about it. We have to actually do something. And, you know, that's why I want to get on the board so we can stop talking about it and start doing and make sure the Minority Affairs Committee is doing what it should do. And from what I understand, we've tried this before, but we have to, to actually do something. You know, we have to work towards it and, you know, we got to make sure that everybody's working towards it. Can you say right now, I know you're not on the board yet, but what your biggest, I don't know, thing you would do to combat the achievement gap? Is there one thing you'd really like to see happen and actionable? Well, the achievement gap starts young. Like I said, when I was moved into sixth grade, I was put in the enriched classes. You know, I wasn't given the opportunity until my, my family advocated for me to be in those uh, higher level advanced classes. So... You know, when you're uh, a few years ago, when my daughter was entering Tuscarora High School, the old principal said they were they were um, at about 55 percent of their students taking the tier one and tier two classes, which is the upper level classes on a, a, uh, on a pet track to get into college. Um, he wanted to increase that to like 85 percent, which I think is a step in the right direction. Yeah, if you're taking those those tier one, tier two classes, you're you're challenged. You're you're seeing that you can do it. Um, you're you're getting ready for life beyond high school. Your your maturity level increases a little bit. Um, I think there's less discipline col- uh, problems when you're in those tier one, tier two classes because you're you know hopefully focused on your on your school and what you need to do beyond high school and college. Um, I think it's important that we make sure that. Kids are coming out of high school with a plan, whether it's to go to college, start a career, um, go to a trade school. Our CTC program is, is excellent, and I think we need to utilize that and expand it. We have a waiting list in many of our, many of our programs. Um, so we just need to make sure that our, our kids are, are challenged in school, and I think that helps get rid of the achievement gap. Um, I, I think it helps with the discipline problems. Um, you know, obviously they're always going to be there. We're, we're never going to a hundred percent. You know, I love Dr. Alban Sam. We're going to be the first County to ever get rid of the achievement gap, but, um, it, it's a difficult task and there's so many factors involved. Um, you know, when, when we start talking about our homeless students, you know, there, there's so many life factors that kids have to deal with that, that it's just beyond many of us, you know, not having, a bed to sleep on or not having a, a roof, the same roof every night to sleep under. 
You know, there's, there's so many factors that come into the achievement gap poverty. If you look at our Alice report, 40% of our community is living poverty level or below. So that there's a lot of children out there that are affected by that. So I think, you know, the, the problem's huge. Um, but I, I think there's, there's several factors we need to work on. Minority teachers, um, you know, we can't cure homelessness, but, you know, working to, to understand those kids that are in that situation, uh, look at them and see if we can't work harder to, to help them out. Um, there, I, I don't, I don't have one thing. There, there's so many things. And I, I think there's a lot of factors that, that play into kids in the achievement gap and, we just need to make sure that we're working towards all those factors, trying to help them out. Um, so <clears throat> you mentioned your work with eliminating the achievement, eliminating achievement gaps. Uh, I wanted to ask you because in, in the primary, you mentioned that FCPS you feel like doesn't have enough mentorship programs um, and eliminating achievement gaps can kind of serve in, in that role. As a member of the board, how would you kind of incorporate more mentorship opportunities into schools? Well, we have uh, we have the um, the companies business mentors um, a little bit, but we also have the uh, the necktie club and a couple of our high schools, which is run by the the, the Kappas. Um, they do a great job. Um, they run their meetings with Robert Rules of Order. They have a, a president, vice president, and you know they 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 show those kids you know what what a leadership role looks like. If you're not in a leadership role, how to get into a leadership role or try to get on a path to a leadership role. Um, you know, we, we have several, so many nonprofits organizations in this, in this community that are all kind of working towards the same goal, just coming from different angles. Uh, we have such a great community that, you know, so many people want to give back. And I, I think, I think it's easy if we, if we just open up and, and allow those mentors to come into school and, you know, it, it doesn't start with, with just coming in at two o'clock in the afternoon it starts in the morning. You know, if those kids, you know, single parent, mom's off to work, no dad, you know, have, have, have a dad come in and have breakfast with them. You know, we have donuts with dads in some of the schools and, um, you know, get the kids started on the right path during, in the morning, hopefully has, has a good day. And then, you know, maybe follow up in the afternoon. And, um, we have a lot of opportunity. I do believe to help out our kids. Um, a few years ago, I went to Tuscarora Elementary um, to mentor a kid, and I got there at two thirty in the afternoon. And they had a, a behavior chart. You know, they all started on on blue, I think, and worked their way up to green or worked their way down to red. Every day I came in at two thirty, the kid was on orange or red, and you know, I was like, we got to somehow change this. Um, I felt it was too late in the afternoon for me to show up, and um, you know, so one day I set a goal for him. I said, next week when I come in here, why don't you try to, to get on blue or green? And I came in the next week, and he was on blue. <laughs> you know, warmed my heart, made me feel good. Um, obviously saw a change in him. You know, I don't, it's not that easy. But, you know, I feel that if we, you know, help out the kids in the morning, get them started on the right path. Um, you know, I, I tried to come in one morning at 9 with that kid or earlier because I had an appointment that afternoon. I couldn't make it. And the teacher told me, no, didn't want to interrupt his day or whatever, or the, the class. Um, but I wasn't trying to be a disruption. I was trying to be a help. And, you know, I think we need to, to be open to individuals coming into our classrooms, 
you know, obviously train them. I have a master's in elementary ed, so I understand the dynamic of, of having someone in your classroom that's, that's there to, to help or not help and don't overstep your bounds. You're not the teacher. Um, you have to make sure that your, your, you know, kids would walk up to me when I was in that school and ask me if I was that kid's dad. I'm like, no, I'm not his dad. I'm just, I'm just here, you know, you know, Oh, cool. How are you? And you know, this and that. So, you know, every week the kids will come up and run up to me. I'm like, yeah, it's a teacher teaching right now. You need to go sit down. You know, it's, it's not coming in and try to give everybody a high five and make sure everybody's feeling good. It's, it's about, you know, getting the kids to focus on what they need to focus on in that school. And if your teacher's teaching, you know, listen to them, be respectful, sit down and, you know, you'll have your opportunity to have fun and play, but while you're in school, you know, let's, let's focus on it. Uh, you, you also mentioned uh, during the primary that when you ran uh, in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, in the primary you finished last, mm-hmm. uh, you made no bones about it that that, that, that bothered you. Uh, this time around, it's been much different. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like the biggest changes? Campaign manager, not doing it on my own. Uh, Kristen Stevens has been great to um, talk to, um, help guide me. Um, you know, running a campaign is not easy. So just having someone help me focus on what I need to focus on has been a tremendous help. Um, I wasn't going to run. Um, you know, over the couple of years, are you going to run? Are you going to run? I'm like, nah, I don't think so. And then my wife decided to go get her master's degree. And at that moment I wasn't going to run, you know, but through, through some encouragement, I guess, from some other individuals and talking to my wife and she's like, you really want to? I was like, yeah, I think I do. Um, you know, but I didn't want to interrupt her getting her, her degree. So she was like, well, I'm good. I can handle it. Go ahead. So at that point, you know, had a conversation with Kristen and she decided she would help me. So, um, knowing what to do is a, is a big help. Um, 2016, I had no idea how to run a campaign. So, you know, just, just being able to, to focus on the campaign and, um, having the, uh, the teacher recommendation helps. That's a huge help. Um, having people support my campaign and, and that method and that, that manner really, is a tremendous confidence builder. Um, you know, just, just a lot of people, you know, donations coming in, just, you know, I talk to people that are like, you know, just sending donations. So it's, there's a whole lot of factors that have really helped and it's, it's been really encouraging and I'm excited about it and I can't wait till November 6th and then we can say, yes, we did it and then get to work on, uh, this, I think it's December 4th, maybe. Well, November 6th isn't far away. Uh, we're out of time for today, but I will give you uh, 45 seconds to tell people why on November 6th they should check Jay Mason. Well, for one, uh, we need a little bit of diversity on our teaching, uh, on our school board. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for our students. I'm here as a parent advocate. Um, I want to I make sure that our parents are advocating for their students. I want our students to have the best opportunities they can, they, they can through our school system. I want to make sure the community gets involved. I want to make sure that our, their teachers are, are empowered with the skills and, and the opportunities they have to be successful in the classroom, um, get some mentors in our classroom. You know, just, just use the whole community. It's, it's not one not one person can fix it all. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort, and I want to make sure that I'm part of that team and we're looking for the future and helping out all of our students. All right, great. Well, for voters, uh, early voting starts October 25th. Election Day, like we said, is November 6th. 
Emma, thanks for coming on. Jay, thank you so much for the time. Really thank appreciate you, you joining me. us. Appreciate it. Thank you.